either. Um, hello. Hi. It's me. Not doing a weekly podcast. Maybe it's monthly. Maybe I'm not consistent. And this will, um, not be helpful to anybody ever. You know, there's a lot of woulds and shoulds and coulds. And the point is that I'm here with you now. And we're going to talk about what it's like to get ready for brain surgery. Um, As you might have guessed, it's not fun. I would, I'm not, I don't have any edits for the previous episode, even though I'm sure there were many that should have been made. However, I will begin by saying that I do struggle with updating the podcast. I thought that it would be easier just talking because that's my favorite thing to do uh, than writing a blog, but it's not. It still sucks just as bad either way. It's still hard to do, to relive, to talk about, not because I am like sad or afraid or doesn't like it doesn't give me anxiety or any of those things although if it did I think that would be very normal um but because if I may borrow the language of other uh people living through trauma there isn't any language right that we're really given to discuss things like uh, brain cancer and so it can literally be difficult to come up with the words to use because it's not a conversation I ever practiced having or thought I would have or research I feel like you see where we're going with this so anyway I'm sure that I don't owe you an apology for going so long between updates but I'm sorry and let us go forward thank you begin okay go break so getting ready for brain surgery is like this assuming you're me you'll go home from the hospital the ER right you were there for what three days I think we decided and then they let you go and before they do that a surge a neurosurgeon will come and meet with you and you'll talk about meeting with him at his neurosurgery office to make your appointment um I don't sorry to say don't remember fuck all about any of this I'm just going on what I assume took place because I do know that later on I did meet with the neurosurgeon in his office not at a hospital and we did set up an appointment to have my surgery so I assumed that we had a conversation before our our actual conversation I just I don't remember because I was uh super high on whatever drugs they gave me in the hospital I took them all and so that will happen probably if you have a tumor that is just not grapefruit size, but cherry size, but feels grapefruit sized, they're probably going to be like, oh, let's go ahead and take that out now. And you'll say, that sounds good. And they'll say, all right, but first, these steroids gotta really get into your system so the swelling in your brain goes down. And you'll say, I'm not swelling, that's water weight. And 
they won't laugh and you'll say okay how long will that be and they'll be like I don't know like a week and you'll say all right so see you in a week and they're like yeah go home and you're like well I can't because I'm not I don't live in this state I don't I don't have a home here and the doctor's just like I don't I'm already I've moved on to the next patient so in my case um at the ER uh assuming assumingly so assumedly so I assume that such a type of conversation took place. And then um, I went back to my friend's house for a day or two, maybe. Um, I, my parents came. They drove down um, along with my surrogate child, but also friend, but also children's nanny, um, Kim. And we got a hotel, but I don't remember I don't know if they were there the point is I had to wait right a few days before we could actually do the surgery because the steroids had to make my brain not swell and while I waited I um, ate a lot of brownies at least one that I remember having anyway um, at my favorite favorite place ever which happens to be in Austin Texas called Cenote Um, please go if are ever in Austin. It's the best food. Um, their pancakes are fucking amazing and everything else is good. And they have one really shitty, uh, guy that works behind the counter who also happens to be my brother-in-law and I love you very much, Thomas. And anyway, but seriously go to Sinote. It is the best ever. And they're not paying me to say that, but I will take free pancakes when I go back to Texas, if I'm ever allowed to go back to Texas, barring my um, husband's permission. And that's not because he's a psycho, but because he has severe PTSD from the last time we were in Texas when I had a fucking brain tumor. So anyway, you'll eat some food, right? Just try and spend time with your family. I remember my cousin, whom I love almost more than anybody in the world, came to spend some time with me. Um, My sweet aunt came to see me. I feel like there were probably more people, and I apologize for not remembering. Um, My cousin on my husband's side came to see me, which was incredibly kind because I hadn't seen him in a really long time. And again, I I feel really bad because I'm sure I'm forgetting people. But there was 10,000% this amazing outpouring of support, which I I do remember really relishing in during that week and just trying to focus on that as much as possible um because you know I was pretty sure that um I would just die during brain surgery that seemed like the outcome of to me like that just made the most sense because brains can't be exposed to air that no no I just I'm I was sure I was sure that I was going to die and that was not cool But I did eventually become okay with it. And that will be another um, episode about accepting death. um, Or, you know, deluding yourself into thinking. Anyway. So you'll hang out. Eat food. The steroids will demand that you eat food. You will be so hungry. Okay. So, I mean, I can eat, I guess. But... I'm a little bit of a bird about it and I'll have like a snickety snack and then like two hours later I'll want some cheese and then like two hours after that I might want you know some apple slices and so I sort of eat you know small amounts a day and the reason why I'm telling you this is because 
I gained 40 pounds in the month of my brain surgery um, and hospitalization. And while I'm sure that some of that was like my body trying to stay alive, I think that a lot of it was steroids, which are the devil, worst drug you could ever take. Um, And I've done so many and I feel like I can um, make a definitive statement on that even though drugs affect everybody differently. Steroids made me so hungry that maybe before I could have had, oh, you know, half a brownie at Cenote. And then after steroids, I could eat the entire apple pancake plate plus extra bacon plus like the chilaquiles that my husband was eating plus uh, give me a Mexican Coke right now. Like I was never full. Insatiable hunger. And to be quite honest, it was fantastic at the time. I thoroughly enjoyed eating and eating and all food tasted like the best food. Um, but I might have just been excited because I was still alive. After I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I just know that you're going to be hungry as F. And so somebody better be feeding you because you're not going to be able to drive. Uh, anyway, so you'll go to the... I really got hung up on food. I'm almost embarrassed. Uh, you go to the doctor's office, right? And what little reading I was able to do online was um, that it said, like, make sure you have questions, you know, and, and here's a list of some questions you could do. And, you know, don't forget to ask about this. And those were just like if you're having surgery in general. And because I am. Um, hyper in need of some semblance of control and felt obviously like I had negative control at that point. I didn't even have control over my own body. I very um, meticulously wrote out two pages of questions. I think I even typed them. It's possible I then put them in as alphabetical of order as I could have. Um, That sounds like something I would do. Anyway, I had these two pages of questions. I typed at my friend Hannah's house printed them out, took them to the doctor, and wouldn't you know that um, he didn't have an answer for a single one. So if writing out questions and taking them to ask makes you feel better, then I absolutely suggest you do so because it did make me feel better. I felt very empowered and I felt, you know, just very Elle Woods pushing my glasses up, ready to get some answers when I'm at the doctor's office. The the thing is, is that the answer for brain tumors is, I don't know, and maybe, we'll see, everybody's different. So, how long will recovery take? Um, You know, we, it may, a day, four months, I don't know. Okay, okay, well, um, is this going to, how is it going to affect me in the long term? Uh, Ibid, see above. Okay, um, what will the procedures be like for my husband in the hospital or my, my, you know, whomever is going to visit? And he'll be like, oh, you can talk to the hospital about that. Okay, um, and, and please know too that obviously I'm taking some artistic license with the voice of my doctor because he is an earth angel and he does not sound like 
whatever I'm doing at all. He's much more of a Southern gentleman. Think um, if George Strait and George W. Bush just combined into one super Texan, gorgeous, manly man, um, then you would have my doctor and you can't because he's mine and uh, we have uh, an agreement that he is not aware of, um, but my husband is, that I will be leaving him for my doctor one day. And anyway, oh, what, what, I got just, mm, my doctor. Yes, so he doesn't really sound like, he was very, very kind. But he did, he did give answers that were akin to what I'm telling you of. He did not know. He didn't want to tell me anything and it not be not true. So he gave a lot of scenarios. He gave a lot of what might happens or what happens in the past. I will tell you also that none of that shit played out for me. So um, keep that in mind as well that the doctor might tell you, you know, usually people are only in the hospital for like three days and then you believe it or not, they'll let you go home even though your head just got sawed open. Um, and then you might end up in the hospital for like a month, right? Not that I know from experience. And other, I mean, so basically what I'm, what I'm getting at eventually around the curve and under the bridge and through the bushes is that unless you're asking about the actual procedure and like the steps that your doctor will take during the procedure, you're not really going to get any answers about anything. So don't be disappointed because obviously eventually if you live, you will live through whatever your questions were anyway, and you'll figure that shit out. I will put an asterisk on this to tell you that um, you, you might recover very quickly, but don't expect to. Um, I do think that that is probably, um, correct information to give you just from my own anecdotal experience, as well as my anecdotal experience of reading other people's experiences of just surgeries in general is that recovery time takes much longer than, um, people tell you. And also, that some people do recover very quickly. And if you're not one of those people, it, that's going to suck. And I highly recommend not getting on like Facebook groups. If Facebook even exists by the time we're having this conversation or, you know, any really kind of online therapy-ish group sort of thing that you think might, oh, maybe this will help because, you know, there's all these other people. It's not going to help. No, don't do it. Some people go back to work like a week later and you're going to feel like fucking dog shit because of that. And there's no, no, just don't do it. No, do it. Please. For your, for your sake and for my sake, because I care about you, please don't join any Facebook oligodendroglioma groups. And again, Facebook probably won't exist at this point. So this whole thread of conversation might be moot. Uh, However, I will tell you that it sent me into quite a... Anyway. Hmm. So once you're done with the doctor and you have your appointment date set up in your time, um, you'll probably meet with his nurse a little bit. You'll probably talk to her a lot more than you'll talk to the doctor actually. Um, And she'll kind of explain more of the procedure itself to you, um, what to expect when you're in the hospital room, and then they'll, they'll send you home. 
And so for me, I was supposed to go during the day of a day. And then they called me the night before and they said, you know what, go ahead and come in tonight. That way you'll be ready to go and we can do you first thing in the morning. And I was like, cool. Because to me at the time, I remember, and I, it's frustrating because when I hear myself saying it now, of course it sounds so dramatic, but I truly, truly 100% and my, my husband as well were sure that like this was very possibly the last day we were going to have together. And, um, so we went and had dinner with, uh, our friends and my brother-in-law and the rest of my family had already left, um, which was fine. And then we went to check into the hospital and I don't, remember I remember checking into the hospital that's a a different thing but I I don't remember um like feeling sad I guess is what I was gonna say like I don't remember feeling much fear I don't remember feeling sad um there was definitely a lot of anticipation but it was very much a feeling of just like being in a dark room and about to go on stage in front of a million people or about to jump off of a cliff in pitch black and you have no idea if there's water below you or, or, you know, uh, spikes. Um, it was just, a intense feeling of anticipation, but without much fear. And I don't know if that is, was my brain's way of coping. Well, uh, no, let me remind that was, was 100% my brain's way of coping. I, what I meant to say was that I don't know if that's how your brain will choose to cope. I hope that it does because it makes it a lot easier when you're not, um, you know, quivering with fear and, and, uh, just terror. Um, so we went to the hospital, we checked in, my, um, husband stayed with me the entire time. So if you have somebody that's going to be with you, um, don't worry, they're not gonna, you know, put them in a waiting room or anything like that that didn't happen until I, like, we did not separate until they, I was on, like, what is it, a gurney? Is that what it's called? Or is that just when you're dead? Either either way, it makes sense. When I was on the gurney and they rolled me back to, um, start giving me all of the Michael Jackson drugs, we were together that entire time, like the, the night and then the next day until that took place. And, um, when they did separate us, they gave my husband a pager, um, which was very quaint and they would send him updates during my surgery just to like kind of keep him updated on progress and basically as long as everything was going okay they would keep updating him that way instead of you know telling him in person because that would be a really fucked up way to find out that your spouse died right beeper would they nine one one? I guess would be what they would send you uh I don't remember beeper codes but nine one one for sure would anyway I'm very tired. I'm tired of talking about this. Ooh, you know what? I think we've talked about this long enough. I don't know if I covered anything, let alone the basics, but in summation, to prepare for brain surgery, you just do whatever your doctor tells you to do. Uh, If it's not life-threatening and or needs to be removed immediately for your, you know, safety, whatever. Yeah, I get life threat. Okay. Then, um, you'll probably be cool. They'll probably just tell you to sit tight for, you know, months, years until they do decide to do surgery. If not, they'll do it, you know, either 
well, I guess I can't do it right then because the steroids have to shrink your, so <sighs> you're not dumb. You understand what I'm saying. And, um, I appreciate you letting me say it next time we meet, we can talk about brain surgery. Um, I guess we'll talk about the first part. We'll talk about prepping for brain surgery, but in the hospital and then we'll go from there. Okay. We'll see. We'll see how you're feeling about things after that. Okay. How about that? So anyway, like I was saying, um, you know, you prep for brain surgery by spending a lot of time with the people or things that you love the most. Um, this includes food, uh, eat, eat and hug people. Um, let everybody know that you love them, obviously, because you're about to die and you'll never get to say it again. It's all v- again, it's so dramatic. Oh, I'm post, not humusly, but post uh, that embarrassed for myself. But alas, here we are anyway. You're going to be fine. Uh, the doctor is going to be super helpful. He'll answer all of your questions, even if you bring an embarrassingly stupid list with you, typed out and alphabetized like the fucking dork that you are um he probably won't even roll his eyes at you but you would have deserved it and you know just get ready to get comfortable oh here's something you can do you can have somebody go somewhere now it's gonna say uh target but they're not paying me so go there and um buy you some jammies and some comfy, just, you know, some sweats, some camis, whatever makes you comfortable to wear while you're in a hospital because, uh, you're not going to have clothes or a shower or a laundromat, um, you know, buy some underwear. That's practical advice. So now I do feel like I can leave you because I've given you something worthwhile. I'll see you later. Bye.